NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people. Do you want to set your child up for success? Is tutoring out of your budget or perhaps you're someone like me who just wants to save money on private tutoring? Is this a big school year for your child? You know, maybe they're starting kindergarten or middle school. Maybe there's another milestone coming up. Or maybe your family moved. Oh my gosh, I moved so much when I was growing up. And the kids are starting a new school. Or maybe your child is ahead and just not getting challenged enough in class. Well, IXL Learning is here to help. IXL Learning is a fun online learning program for kids covering math, language, arts, science, and social studies. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or the personality. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. That's right. It is school approved. So make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And how to be fine listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at ixl.com/fine. Visit ixl.com/fine to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Again, that's ixl.com/fine. Oh my gosh, Jolenta, I am so excited. Are you as excited as I am? Uh, yeah, I am very much excited. And listeners, do you want to know why Jolenta and I are so excited? I bet you do. It's because our How to Be Fine merchandise collection is available now. It is here. Woo. It is live at podswag.com slash be fine. That's podswag.com slash be fine. And Jolenta, Tell our beloved listeners about some of the amazing things in this merchandise collection. Oh my gosh, we have so much good stuff. Truly, it is a feast for the eyes, the things we have available. We have a travel mug, so you can be like Kristen, always drinking out of a travel mug and reusing (laughs) a tea bag. We have a super cute tank top that says, just fine, because that's what we are. We're just fine. (laughs) And of course... Kristen, a collection of ours would not be complete without something for the animals. Because, as you know, we love an animal in clothes here on How to Be Fine. So we have a nice dog bandana that just says animal in clothes. Yes, we sure do. Oh, it's my favorite (laughs) thing. We had a huge hand in designing these items. And we're so excited for all of you out there to get your hands on them. So order your merch today, again, at podswag.com slash be fine. And once you get your swag, we want to see you in it. Take your photos with your merch on and post it to our Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash Kristen Angelenta. Or you can email us your photos, kristenangelenta at gmail.com. And if you just want to post your photos on social media, use the hashtag how to be fine pod. We want to see you wearing your swag, enjoying your swag. So get it. Again, you can find these items and more at podswag.com slash be fine. That's podswag.com slash be fine. 
Hello, and welcome to How to Be Fine. I'm Jolenta Greenberg. Just kidding. I'm Kristen Meinzer. Yeah, wait a minute. I'm Jolenta Greenberg. (laughs) In each episode of How to Be Fine, we weigh in on what is happening in the world of happiness, health, and betterment, and we offer a bit of advice to those who want it. Now, full disclosure, we are not psychotherapists, psychologists, pharmacists, or physicians, but we are experienced self-help critics. We've lived by the rules of nearly 100 self-help books for our other podcast, By the Book, which is right here in this feed. So we've tried on almost every kind of wellness trend out there. And besides, we're not here promising to make you all the best, richest, happiest, most amazing versions of yourself. If all goes well, we're here to help you get a little bit closer to fine. Alrighty, Jolenta, we have a couple of excellent advice letters to get to later in the show. Intriguing, even. But first, as usual, let's kick things off with our hot topic. Can you tell us what it is? Oh, today's topic is so hot. Today's hot topic is skinimalism. Ooh, skinimalism. (laughs) That's like when you're decorating with skin to only have a little bit of it, not too much skin, right? Not quite. Skinimalism, as the name somewhat implies, is skincare routine minimalism. Ah, nothing to do with decorating. No, no, only (laughs) to do with skin. Nothing to do with putting skin other places. Got it, got it. And skinimalism is not to be confused with the natural look or dolphin skin, which are both minimalist makeup trends. And if you're curious, dolphin skin is just sort of like an extra dewy, glossy, natural look that's been trending lately. Skinimalism is not about the look. It's all about taking care of your skin with as few products and steps as possible. So rather than the 25-step routine that we frequently see on social, it's it's maybe half that or less than half that, I'm guessing. Even less, Kristen. I came across this trend a while back because I'm always scouring the internet looking for skincare routines that are good for people with lupus, aka super sensitive skin. AKA you. Yeah, aka me. <laughs> and I was overjoyed when I found skinimalism because it was a trend that lupus had forced me to do already. And I love it when something trendy rolls around that I'm already doing. Like, doesn't that make you feel good? Yeah, it's like you're ahead of the trend, or maybe yeah. you're the one who made the trend happen. Who knows? Maybe I did. <laughs> and Jolent, did you happen to know where the term skinimalism came from? Because, you know, I love a good pun and it's, it's a little punny. I like it. Right, right. It's a very Christian word. Yes. The term seems to have come into existence in late 2020 when it started making the rounds after being featured in Pinterest 2021 trend predictions report. The report declared skinimalism the new glow up because people were searching for lots of sort of natural look or DIY home skincare. Skinimalism was on the rise and it was for adult women. And Pinterest went on to say that pinners will embrace slow beauty and let their natural skin texture shine through. This new effortlessly chic routine is simple and sustainable. 
sounds good, right? Yeah, I like simple. I like sustainable. Yeah, and actually a lot of trend and beauty experts believe skinimalism is a reaction to the skincare routine maximalism that you sort of alluded to earlier, Kristen, that became really popular at the beginning of the pandemic. It kind of became popular because we all started doing a shit ton of Zoom calls and scrutinizing what our faces looked like on screen like never before. You know, we've all done a Zoom call here or there, but most of us hadn't lived on Zoom the way we had to start to at the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah. When we were in the before times having meetings with people, we were looking at them, not at ourselves. Because we were sitting across the table from each other. <laughs> exactly. But now I can look at myself and Kristen, and it's weird. <laughs> also, the beginning of the pandemic meant a lot more time at home, sometimes alone, to scroll through social media. And we started seeing lots of influencers sharing their skincare routine and doing those like, get ready with me videos where they put on like a big pink puffy headband and put on like a billion different products. Oh, yeah. And they frequently had machines to do it with, like that rotating thing like that's like a brush. brush that's electric, plus like an exfoliating loofah on the face, plus different kinds of washcloths and so on. Yeah. And like there are even tools that like massage lotion in that vibrate and stuff. They're all over. And basically... Every video you see is featuring a heavily filtered influencer claiming they found like the next miracle product you have to add to your regimen. And they're subtly urging viewers to go buy products through their affiliate links. Surprise, they're selling us stuff. Yeah. Ha -ha. <laughs> and we were buying it, Kristen. The research group NDP found 62% of Gen Zers say their skincare purchases have been influenced by TikTok. That's like more than half. NDP also found that skincare product sales went up 18% between 2020 and 2021. That completely makes sense because, as you just mentioned, we're on Zoom calls all the time looking at our skin. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes in a very high-def fashion that we don't normally look at ourselves in. Yeah, we were just sitting at home looking at our faces being like, I'm going to buy more shit, I guess. <laughs> I don't know what to do. And like suddenly 10 to 12 step skincare routines with like multiple serums, lotions, exfoliants, cleansers, masks and more were becoming the norm or sort of touted as the norm, at least on social media. Yeah. But Kristen, turns out quantity doesn't equal quality when it comes to your face. What? I don't need 25 products on my no, face? No, <laughs> no. First of all, it's fucking expensive to do that. A 10 or 12 step regimen can easily cost $600 or more because, you know, there is no limit to how expensive skincare products can get. Oh, my God. $600 is cheap in some cases. Right? I'm just going to tell you, one of my doctors, she sells high end lotions that are up to $290 a bottle. And that's just for one bottle. Right. There are famous lotions that are like 400 a tub. Yes. And when you say tub, you're like one ounce. <laughs> a little tub, not like a... Not like a bathtub. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. A tiny little jar, let's say. Yeah. It's very potentially pricey. Totally. Also, Kristen, when you layer lots of products with different active ingredients, you're basically doing chemistry experiments on your face. Oh, yeah. That's kind of like how when you're making your own house cleaning products, you're always told not to mix ammonia with, I forgot what it is. Bleach, I think. Yeah. Or just like dye of fumes. But you're saying all of these products can be the same experiments, but on our face. Yes, exactly. There are lots of popular skincare ingredients that don't do well together. 
like retinols, for example. Let's just do retinols. We're using retinol creams and serums like there is no tomorrow. Everyone loves a retinol. Retinols increase the rate of cell turnover in your skin and collagen production, so it makes the skin look younger. It reduces fine lines and wrinkles. It's great. Alpha-hydroxy acids, or AHAs, as they're often referred to in the skincare world, exfoliate to remove dead skin. And when combined with retinol, the two can cause irritation and inflammation. It's not great. And then it just looks like you're a burn victim. Right. And then (laughs) you got some red irritated skin. Yeah. Similarly, retinol shouldn't be combined with salicylic acid. The two both dry out the skin. And when used together, they can make your face extra dry and it can cause redness, flaking, stinging, even acne. Not fun. Meanwhile, When retinol is used with a vitamin C serum, the two just sort of cancel each other out. Retinol is alkaline. Vitamin C falls way lower on the pH scale and is very acidic. And when the two combine, the active ingredients just don't work as well because they're canceling each other out. Yeah. And these are just a few of the many kinds of chemicals that are in our skincare products. There are so many other things that I can't even remember the names of. Right. And there are like tons of lists. There will be some links in the show notes to list skincare active ingredients to not mix. That was just for retinol. I'm not going to go into other popular ingredients. We could be here all day. And this face chemistry we've been doing has been having negative effects. According to Shape.com, estheticians and medical professionals have recently been seeing more patients with skin problems that are caused by mixing products and overuse. Lots of allergic reactions, contact dermatitis, and lots of irritation and inflammation. And I just want to say on behalf of those people who are having these skin issues, I feel bad for them because that's the messaging that we're getting from so many sources. Like, no, first you do these three things, then you do this thing, then you do this thing. And that's just in the morning. And then in the evening, you do these 12 steps. And so the people who are suffering from skin ailments because of these products, they're getting the message everywhere. They're supposed to use all these products. It's a snake eating its own tail. Like for all you know, your products are causing your skincare problems and then you're adding more product to it to fix those problems that were already caused by products. And like the cycle continues. Yeah. It's kind of a cycle that keeps you spending money that some people might be benefiting from. Maybe, especially with maybe influencers who use affiliate links. Go figure. Yeah. But Kristen, skinimalism is supposedly the solution to all of these problems. When you practice skinimalism, you only use a few products, like literally only three or four. Which three or four? Lay it out for us. Yes. Most skincare professionals recommend a gentle cleanser. Think maybe like a cleansing balm or oil, maybe not something soap-based because that can be pretty rough and drying on the skin, especially if you run dry. Mm -hmm. Then a moisturizer, something gentle, something catered to your skin issues perhaps. And then step three, a sunscreen. Everyone loves a sunscreen. Everyone knows the best tool for anti-aging and skin protection is sunscreen. So let's screen it up. It can be tinted. It can be (laughs) non-tinted. But put it on your face. And you know I love my sunscreen, Jolenta. I am a sunscreen adherent and have been since I was a teenager. I love my sunscreen. But I just have to back up here and ask, other than sunscreen, the only thing you're supposed to put on your skin is moisturizer? Pretty much. You can do a serum too if you're wild, but it's pretty much just moisturizer. 
And something I thought of was like, what about eye cream? Oh, God. Our generation has been pushed eye cream so right? hard. Whereas like you need eye cream. It's different. It's special. Your under eyes. Ah, ah. Treat them like a baby. I feel like even when we were in our 20s, Jolenta, we were being pushed eye cream. I was doing eye cream by the time I was like 16. Getting <gasps> that little Clinique under eye cream thing. Oh, my God. Jolenta. It was just the freebies from my mom's gift sets, but I was using them like it was my job. <laughs> but here's something interesting I found. Dermatologist Dr. Fane Fry, the author of The Skincare Hoax, told Self.com that many products that claim to have an impact on the appearance of fine lines and wrinkles like eye creams, night creams, and primers are formulated pretty much just like moisturizers. I'm not against an eye cream, she said. It's a good moisturizer. If you like it, go ahead. But you don't need it. You can use your same facial moisturizer. Turns out we've been fed a full fucking lie. <laughs> yes. And as I said earlier, plus the nighttime routine, not just the morning routine. You right. Know? It has to be vastly different. So for those of us who want to pursue skinimalism, how do we yes. narrow down what exactly we should do here? Like what, what kind of wash, moisturizer, sunscreen should we use? Are there right. certain kinds we should use or shouldn't use? It's different for every person, Kristen. And the safest way to figure out what you should be using is to go to a doctor, perhaps a dermatologist, someone who specializes in skincare. It might take time, but they're usually pretty good at figuring out all of your skincare needs, what your issues are, if there are any, and recommending over-the-counter products that are good for your needs. And sometimes if you think about it, if you're someone who's spending a ton of money on skincare, depending on your insurance, it can literally be cheaper to visit a dermatologist than like buy your monthly stock of products. Mm, that's a good tip, right? Yeah. And like I said, it takes time. For me, it took about a year to figure out what was going on with my skin when my lupus started flaring up. In 2019, I started seeing all sorts of doctors to figure out why I was getting like huge sores all over my face. And the first thing dermatologists had me do was to eliminate all skincare products because more often than not, those are the culprits causing our issues. In my case, they weren't causing my face lesions, but taking a break from products still helped doctors see that I needed more testing to figure out what was wrong. And for lots of people, taking a break from a maximalist routine and doing a sort of skin cleanse can help you on your path to skinimalism once you get your skin to sort of its like baseline setting. But for people who maybe don't have health insurance or maybe mm -hmm. don't have a dermatologist that they reliably go to, what would you recommend for them, Jolenta? Well, you can try to figure out your skincare needs at home. Skincare expert Fiona Brackenbury told Reader's Digest UK that you can check to see what your skincare needs are by thoroughly washing your face, then waiting 30 minutes for it to dry and doing nothing to it during that 30 minutes. Once it's clean and super dry, just sort of at its baseline existence, you should be able to see any issues that are happening in your face, like dryness, redness, oiliness, puffiness, acne. 
those should be apparent. And once you know what issue, if there are any that you want to focus on, make sure that your moisturizer or maybe that one serum you use is formulated to deal with said issue. And once you start trying your skinimalist routine, Kristen, obviously stop it or go to a doctor if you're noticing like any allergic reactions. But if there are no issues, you just stick with that routine for around six months before expecting to see results. I have to tell you, Jolenta, I freaking hate that six-month recommendation. I remember when I was mm. younger, and as we've discussed on the show, I had really bad cystic acne when I was younger. Right. And I remember being told, like, it's going to be months for this medication to kick in. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Months? It took a fucking day for this pimple to pop up. What do you mean months? Like yes. <laughs> or these 15 pimples to pop right. up. And and what? Months? Months? Yeah. It sucks. But like, we can't expect immediate results. Anyone who is selling you immediate results is lying. Unless it's like skin taping or something. Like those results <laughs> look immediate when you like pull your face back. <laughs> but like the skin is an organ. It takes time to repair itself and to reach a state of equilibrium when new chemicals are introduced. But dermatologists say it's worth the wait and they encourage skinimalism. They recommend basically doing exactly the opposite of what a lot of influencers have been saying in these past few years regarding billion step routines and product layering. Yeah. And affiliate links to repeat uh, that. Right. Yeah. I was going to say <laughs> and affiliate links. Like, you, you know, like you said, we have to remember they have an agenda. They're pushing shit to us because that is literally how they make a living through endorsement deals and encouraging people to buy things using their specific links, like through their link tree they're always talking about. Yeah. Well, I have to ask you, Jolenta, are there any downsides to skinimalism? You make it sound so great, but, you know, even great things on our show, we sometimes find downsides with. Kristen, honestly, with this one, couldn't find any. There are what? none. <laughs> Come on. There are basically only benefits. The only downside is switching to skinimalism can promote waste if you, like, toss out all the products you have been using. But then it doesn't promote waste once you're doing it because you're only using three or four products and not indulging in consumerism and product waste as much. But for the most part, there are only benefits. Basically, every article and thing I found about skinimalism has some dermatologist being like, oh, finally, a trend that is actually good for your skin. <laughs> and skinimalism focuses on skin health and finding like a good balance for your skin. It's not about appearances. So like trying to find what's healthy for you and your own skin, like it just isn't that bad. I really like that about it. I mean, Anything that can focus more on how our bodies function and how to keep them up and running well, to me, that's great because so much of the world is like, what do you look like? What do you look right, like? What right. do you look like? But is your skin actually healthy? This yeah. giant organ, this big, big organ is right. healthy. Yeah. yeah. And like anything that promotes self-acceptance is good. And, you know, learning to care for yourself instead of trying to change it with like some miracle product is a much more fun journey. And, like, obviously, I'm biased, Kristen, because I practice skinimalism. So, like, <laughs> of course, I think there are no downsides other than, like, yeah, you don't get to experiment with as many, like, tinctures on your face. But, like, you can experiment in other beauty arenas. And as someone who's just, like, kind of lazy about going to bed, I love skinimalism because literally I only have to do, like, 
three things, four things, technically. <laughs> now I use a cleansing balm. I put on some medicated ointment that I have for my lupus lesions. I moisturize a teeny bit and then I go to bed. And then in the mornings, I toss on some tinted sunscreen and I hit the road. Nice. Nice. So I'm a fan. Kristen, what about you? Are you a skinimalist? Are you a fan of skinimalism? Are you going to keep buying all your products? What's the deal? Well, I used to be majorly a skinimalist, partly because I, I did not have a lot of money for products, partly because I just didn't see the point and I was scared of all of the new products out there. But you may recall, Jolenta, a few years ago, I started becoming what I consider a skin maximalist. Yeah, you did go through a, a very experimental phase. Yeah, I started using a serum in the morning Ooh. and a moisturizer and sunscreen. So three <gasps> products every morning. And then at night, I started using a moisturizer, a retinol lotion most days of the week. And on one day of the week, instead of the retinol, I would use an alpha hydroxy acid. Nice. Don't mix the two. I know. Never at the same time. So I guess in total, that's six products between my morning and night routine. And to me, that was being a maximalist. Mm -hmm. But you're saying maybe that's not a maximalist either. That's pretty much skinimalism. <laughs> Because it used to just be soap and sunscreen for me. Right. That's so you were like a like a total skinimalist <laughs> way before the trend. And you still are one now, even though you use like two more products, I think. <laughs> and you brought up something interesting, sort of the swapping out. Yeah. If you use a retinol, it's not like you can never use a vitamin C serum. Yeah. But experts recommend taking turns on like which evening you're using those serums so they don't cause an adverse reaction or just counteract each other. Yeah. Yeah. I will say I do sometimes, though, get really tempted by other products. I see them being fed to me on social media. Right. Oh, totally. I want them all. One of my doctors is not just a dermatologist, but a cosmetic dermatologist. So she always has these displays of beautiful Ooh. looking, expensive face creams and so on. And, and you know, every once in a while, she's like, I would recommend this. And I'm like, I don't know. My other dermatologist says Cetaphil is fine. <laughs> I mean. Right, right. So it can be very tempting. And the forces around me kind of are saying, buy it, buy it, buy it. So I get the temptation. Totally. And I also understand that sometimes it's fun to have like a home spa day, a day of nurturing, right? Like you love to do your nails, Jolenta, for example. Yes, I do. And I know some people just love to put on a face mask and then sit for an hour with their face mask on, right? Right. And I'm not saying don't do that. I'm just saying it doesn't need to be part of your nightly routine. And it could be counteracting some of your favorite lotions. Yeah, yeah. So I guess the lesson here is we don't need as much as everybody says we need, especially if they're selling us those things. Yes, yes. Keep an eye out for the people selling you shit. But overall, skinimalism, fucking great. Good for your skin. <laughs> good for the environment because it cuts down on waste. And fun to say. <laughs> and good for your wallet, too. Very good. But listeners, we want to hear from all of you. Are you skinimalist? Are you somebody who actually loves the 25-step beauty routine? Are you somebody who just is a soap and water sort of person? 
let us know. Email us at kristenangelenta at gmail.com or weigh in on our private Facebook community. That's facebook.com slash groups slash kristenangelenta. You can also use those contact methods if you want to send us advice questions. Speaking of which... Coming up, we hear from a letter writer who is not a fan of some of their friends' decisions. When your space has the long-lasting, noticeable scent of Airwick Vibrant Scented Oils, it'll be the spot for everyone. From book club to game night, the kids can even host their friends. Whoa, it smells amazing. Airwick Vibrant Scented Oils are infused with two times more natural essential oils versus regular Airwick Scented Oils for our most authentic, nature-inspired fragrance experience. Hmm. Transform your space with scents like white sage and mahogany or lavender and water lily. Now that's a breath of fresh air wick. Meet the next generation of podcast stars with Sirius XM's Listen Next program presented by State Farm. As part of their mission to help voices be heard, State Farm teamed up with Sirius XM to uplift diverse and emerging creators. Tune in to Stars and Stars with Isa as host Isa Nakazawa dives into birth charts of her celeb guests. This is just the start of a new wave of podcasting. Visit statefarm.com to find out how we can help prepare for your future. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey, everyone. We're back with our first letter of the day. Jolenta, what do they have to say? They say, Dear Kristen and Jolenta, I'm wondering what advice you have for people who have friends that make bad decisions. Nothing harmful to them or others, though. I love my friends, but sometimes they just make bad decisions and it's hard to watch it play out, even after I offer gentle advice to nudge them in a better direction. I don't want to offer unsolicited advice or be a negative Nancy, but it's also tough to watch these avoidable situations unfold. Should I slowly remove these people from my life? Help! Oh, letter writer. We all have those friends, don't we? Maybe in some cases I have been that friend, full disclosure, who's made decisions that maybe those around me have wondered, why does she do that? (laughs) Should she be dating guys like that? Why does she put up with this? Why is she making that kind of decision? I have no doubt that I have been that friend, and I can say I've had many friends who have been those people to make the bad decisions as well. Jolenta, I'm guessing you're a switch hitter here as well, that you've done both. (laughs) Yes, definitely done both. I've definitely had friends pull me aside and be like, don't leave with him. You hate yourself after you hook up with him. And I've been like, bye, I'm leaving with him. You know, I've been on the giving and receiving end of of bad decisions. Yes. And one thing I do want to say, though, letter writer, the reason I am bringing this up, I don't know about you, Jolenta, is I wonder if you also, letter writer, have maybe made some bad decisions from time to time. Maybe you have. Most of us have because we're humans, right? That's part of taking risks. That's part of living life. Sometimes we make decisions that those around us are going to be like, "Mm, I don't know about that. So that's one of the first things I would suggest you do is maybe take a moment to look at your own life and maybe examine some of your own choices. Maybe not everything you've done in life has been perfect. And maybe extend some empathy to those around you who also don't always do what's right or what's perfect. The second thing I would say is, since your friend's decisions are not harming themselves or harming anybody else, it doesn't sound like harming or hurting is happening here, I would ask you to define what do you mean by bad decision? 
because bad decision can mean lots of different things to different people. For some people, it's like, no, I'm living life to the fullest. I'm having an adventurous life. I'm doing things that are unconventional. I'm bohemian. (laughs) I'm a nonconformist. I do things my own way. And to other people, they might think, that's just a bad decision. So I, I would just examine a little closer, what do you mean by bad decision? The next thing I would say is, why is this bothering you so much? Is it bothering you because you want to protect them from bad decisions? Is it bothering you because you feel like maybe your friends aren't very street smart and you wish that you were surrounded by smarter people? Is it bothering you because, frankly, you're judgmental? You know, it could be a combination of any of the above, but think about why their decisions bother you so much. And if it turns out that their decisions are actually causing a real issue for you, where you feel like you're carrying psychological worry for them all the time, where you're filled with anxiety for what they're going to do next, if you feel like it's just frustrating and exhausting to be around them, if you feel like in some way you've been forced to be a caretaker because of them, in those instances, I would say, maybe it would be beneficial for you to maybe have a little bit of distance from these friends. Because I've definitely been in that situation where I've surrounded myself with certain kinds of people and became the caretaker, and it wasn't really good for me. And the reason I was doing it, though, was because I think I liked feeling needed. I was doing it partly for the power dynamic of like, oh, Kristen's responsible, Kristen will take care of things, or in my mind, I saw myself that way. So I might ask myself if I were you, why am I keeping these people around? And if it is hurting me in some way, if it's really, really negatively affecting you, then maybe it would make sense to have some distance. But if it just turns out that they have a different idea of what a good or a bad decision is, maybe we don't remove these people. Maybe we just see them for being different from you. And that's okay. Life is interesting by having different people in our lives, right? If we're only surrounding ourselves with people who have all of the same ideas of good or bad, it can get pretty boring in life, right? Totally. I agree. Yeah. But Jolanta, I would love to hear what you have to say about this. Yeah. I mean, ditto what you said, like, if this friend or multiple friends' bad decisions are sort of triggering a codependent response in you that's wearing you out, then definitely consider taking a break. Also, there are ways to like take breaks, but not cut people out of your life. If they're going through a phase that's driving you nuts, you can kind of shift them to being more of a situational friend where you sort of know when, where, and how to hang out with them. You kind of figure that out. Be like, when can I hang out with them where I hear like the least about this thing that drives me nuts about them and like hang out with them that way. You know, some friends aren't like the go to dinner and have a long conversation type friend when they are making choices that like drive you nuts or make you want to shake them and be like, this isn't the best idea. You know, (laughs) maybe it's better to see a movie with them. So you're not talking about all their choices. And basically what I'm advising is to just try and figure out where your boundaries are. Like how annoying can things get? How much can you hear about this before you need to tap out? And you can only 
really give advice that's taken seriously when you're asked, because otherwise you're kind of a downer, a negative Nancy, as you said. And one key tip I've learned from a therapist in the past is when you're asked for advice, try to make sure you say what you would do in the situation and not what your friends should do. No one likes feeling like lectured or dictated to. Mm -hmm. So like when you're asked, give advice, but otherwise figure out how much you can handle of hearing about these bad decisions, seeing them play out and then build your boundaries sort of from there. Yeah, I think that's great advice, Jolenta. That's great. Yeah. Um, One thing you got at that I didn't get at is just sometimes it's irritating. And if it's irritating you to no end, if you find this annoying, that's also a perfectly valid reason for maybe taking a little bit of distance. Totally. We don't want to be around people who just irritate us all the time, right? Yeah. Perfectly valid. All right. We are going to take another quick break. Before we do, maybe could you rate us And wherever you're listening to this podcast right now, you can rate us and review us, hit five stars, write a little ditty about why you find the show interesting. It helps other people find the show and and decide to listen. So why not give her a shot? Yeah, we love it when you do that. (laughs) Coming up, we hear from a letter writer who's struggling to communicate with their teenager. Meet the next generation of podcast stars with Sirius XM's Listen Next program presented by State Farm. As part of their mission to help voices be heard, State Farm teamed up with Sirius XM to uplift diverse and emerging creators. Tune in to Stars and Stars with Isa as host Isa Nakazawa dives into birth charts of her celeb guests. This is just the start of a new wave of podcasting. Visit statefarm.com to find out how we can help prepare for your future. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We are back with the second letter of the day. Kristen, will you read this one? Yes. Our second letter writer says, nonverbal communication tips are needed, please. When my late teenager gets really stressed, she stops talking. Demanding her to speak only shuts her down more and causes further stress. This can cause conflict between us. But really, I want to support her to get through what she's going through. She's generally a quiet introvert, calm and kind, articulate, and we get along well. I'm thinking I need nonverbal ways for her to signal to me that she just needs space and no talking for a day or two. I can't easily tell the difference between her starting to shut down and just ordinary teenager ignoring not hearing me stuff. And also, I need a way for us to communicate on necessary things that come up during this time. For example, what time are you working tomorrow? Can you do X chore, please, etc.? I'd love to hear ideas on how to deal with this. Oh, well, I have been that nonverbal teenager letter writer, so I can tell you what I would have wanted. <laughs> Oh, I love that. Let's hear from your perspective as a former nonverbal teen. Yes. Uh, What, like our letter writer said, like trying to force it doesn't work. It makes them shut down more. It makes them like go into a shell and be like, just leave me the fuck alone even more. Mm -hmm. And what definitely worked for me was notes. I know it sounds Mm -hmm. silly, but leaving notes. No, it doesn't sound silly. Not at all. No. Notes really helped. That way my parents could get across anything they needed to get across and almost sort of jot it down whenever it came to them. My mom used to leave me notes in this one spot where I would eat breakfast and do my homework. And 
as long as it said something nice like, hey, I hope you're having a good day. And then whatever she wanted me to do, it never annoyed me too much. I kind of liked it. It felt like a game a bit. Sometimes I'd write her back. So notes can really help. If you want to know like scheduling and stuff, maybe like a whiteboard somewhere Mm -hmm. outside of your teen's door or in the kitchen where everyone can see it. You can have your teenager write up their schedule for the week or something so you don't have to ask them about it. You can just check. Ways to sort of keep notes and reminders around to help communicate really worked for me and sort of like made me feel seen because my parents were trying to communicate in a way that worked for me, not just forcing me to communicate in a way that worked with them. So it was it was a nice compromise. And If you want your teenager to hear your voice or maybe want to hear their voice, you could also try maybe like texting a voice memo. Mm -hmm. I know it sounds silly if they're in the house, but like sometimes texting a teen while they're in the house is the best way to communicate with them, especially if they're in sort of an introverted, maybe like shut down kind of mood. Yeah. I think all of those are great ideas, Jolenta. I I was just going to second the whole texting method because not necessarily even a voice memo, but just texting a few words here and there. Because I know for a lot of teens, that's what they like best nowadays is, um, listen to how old I sound nowadays. Nowadays, they like the texting. They like the texting, not the notes. Yeah. But a lot of kids I know prefer that. But I'd also say your kid is a late teenager. That could be, in my mind, anywhere from 17 to 19. Mm. And They're old enough at this point to know certain things they like or don't like. So maybe sit down with them and say, hey, what would be your preferred method of us communicating with each other when you're feeling nonverbal? I don't want to push you too hard. Let's talk about what would make the most sense for relaying necessary information like what your schedule is. Would the best thing to be when you get off your shift and you have your schedule for the next week to just put that on the whiteboard, to just give that to me immediately at that moment? Is there another way that you would like to communicate that? So maybe collaborate with them so it feels more like a team effort of what works best for them. I also, I I don't want to medicalize anything because I'm not a doctor myself, but I was a little bit concerned when you said that your teen goes into a space of no talking for not just a day, but a day or two. If it's two days in a row where your kid does not want to talk to you, you know, again, I don't want to diagnose here, but a couple of things cross my mind. It might be a case of your child being neurodivergent and having different comfort levels around being verbal or not verbal. And I'm not sure if that's the case. It may also be the case that, not to sound alarming here, Is there an emotional or psychological reason that they literally shut down for two days? I I find that a little concerning. I'm not so concerned about like, oh, there's a day they just didn't want to talk to me. But if it's starting to turn into many days in a row, I might also just want to talk with your kid, frankly, about that too. You know, again, not to medicalize, but just to talk to them. How are you doing? What are you feeling when you're not talking with me for days on end? What's going on here in your heart or in your mind? And what can I do to better support you or communicate with you during these times? Yeah, I was going to say I was also kind of a nonverbal teen because I was struggling with depression. So, yeah, checking in with your teen to make sure that they are just choosing this and they're not like shut down because 
something is bothering them and they're not shutting down because like there's a deeper issue at play that perhaps you could help with. Yeah. But letter writer, it seems like you care a lot about your teenager and they are lucky to have a parent that is just so eager to communicate with them and connect with them. Yeah. I think you're asking all the right questions. And sometimes asking the question is the first step to just coming to a place that's going to be better. So thanks for reaching out. And listeners, the rest of you out there, if you have other tips to share with our letter writer, we definitely want to hear them. So share them with us either on our Facebook community by email or Jolenta on our Instagram. Jolenta manages our Instagram, which is fabulous, by the way. At How to Be Fine Pod. And that's it for this episode of How to Be Fine. Huge, huge thank you to our executive producer, Nora Ritchie, our producer, Chantel Holder, and our composer and engineer, Casey Holford. Until next time, I'm Kristen Meinzer. And I'm Delanta Greenberg. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See you next week. Until then, stay fine. Stitcher. Meet the next generation of podcast stars with SiriusXM's Listen Next program, presented by State Farm. As part of their mission to help voices be heard, State Farm teamed up with SiriusXM to uplift diverse and emerging creators. Tune in to Stars and Stars with Isa as host Isa Nakazawa dives into birth charts of her celeb guests. This is just the start of a new wave of podcasting. Visit statefarm.com to find out how we can help prepare for your future. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.